Welcome to Denton North Church. We're glad you're here. It's great to see all of y'all's faces, half your faces. Um, we had a really fun church hangout yesterday at South Lakes Park, and that was awesome. Some of you guys were there. And thank you to the InReach team, Sean and Tong and those, that gang, for putting that together. Where's Sean? There we go. That was awesome. If you missed it, you're going to have another chance to hang out with all of us because if you haven't noticed, if you haven't looked at your calendar in a little while, Sunday falls on the 4th of July. And so we decided, why not hang out some more and have a cookout on that day instead of church? So that is what we're going to do. So put that on your calendars. And something really important I need you to do pretty much as soon as possible, if you're willing to get on your phone now, is, but if not, we'll put it in the newsletter as well. Let us know if you will be there, because we want to start planning things about how much, how many burgers and hot dogs to, to grill and all that stuff. And also, we want to get people to volunteer to bring some stuff. So, but we, we don't want to start doing all that until we know how many people are going to be there. So if you go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash cookout, that will have a little link to, yes? Who raised their hand? Oh, it'll be at 11 a.m. Yes. So DentonNorthChurch.com slash cookout. The first step is just tell us if you're going to be there. Because some people go home for that weekend. So we want to know who's going to be with us. And it'll be a chance for all of us to spend time together and enjoy each other's company, be outside, eat, and all that stuff. So uh, just some fellowship and breaking bread together. Um, I think that'll be really fun. So DentonNorthChurch.com slash cookout. Yes. It will be at North Lakes Park. And also all of that is at DentonNorthChurch.com slash cookout. Um, so, and then we'll, we'll add to that page later a way to sign up to say simple things like, hey, you want to sign up to bring two bags of buns? Great. We're going to break it down for you guys, make it super easy. But we will be doing the main stuff, like bringing the meat and I think we'll bring plates and plasticware and all that stuff. And also, well, we'll figure out more. But just more of the, all of that's TBD. But in general, for now, we want to know if you'll be there. Um, and we're also doing a meal train for the Bristos. They welcomed little Jude uh, into the world last week. So the link for that is on our newsletter and also on Facebook. So um, please sign up for that. I think there's only maybe a couple dates left. So it might even be that if you guys all rush to get there, only a couple of you guys will be, you know, able to do that. So, yikes. Um, the, oh, yeah, this is the last week we're going to announce these things. But if you ever need information about these, just ask Leslie or I or a lot any of our leaders. If you see somebody who seems like they know stuff, you can ask them. But our summer small groups are going. And if you have not joined one yet, you can go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash small groups. And it has the information about all the different small groups, what times they meet. And you can just click on any of their names, and it will give you their contact info so you can text them. But we'd love to have you. The other thing is LTGs. Um, we've started having people pair up for those. If you have not done that yet, if you haven't even signed up, there's a little, uh, if you don't know about them, we talked about them a lot, but they're small accountability groups that are really essential to just living life together and trying to follow Jesus together. But at DentonNorthChurch.com slash discipleship is where you could either sign up, or if you've already signed up, you can find the list of people who are available for ones and start pairing up with them. So, um, this, we, you won't hear a lot about that every week from now on, but that is always going. So you can always sign up for one. You can always check that list, and you can always ask us about those. The recording for the third marriage seminar um, where we had Dr. Jennifer Conzen, that recording is available. If you go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash marriage, you can click a button to request that recording. It's really simple. All you have to do is put in your name and email, and then it'll send you the recording. So... 
Don't miss that. If you missed going to that, please listen to the recording. Watch it together with your spouse. Uh, it was very, very good and also very funny. So, um, yeah, build some bathroom breaks in there so that you can uh, handle the funny. Um, and then save the date. There's going to be an all church, all the churches. That's a distinction we need to help make because I think some people thought that the hangout yesterday was going to have all of the churches in it. That was just an all church. So we've got to figure out some better language for that. If you have ideas, let us know. All the churches hangout is going to happen on July 25th. Just save the date. We'll give you more information about that as we, as we go. But that'll be a cool evening pool party thing. Does somebody have a question? I saw like a hand. Or Nathan, were you just scratching your head? Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, July 25th, 6.30 to 8.30. And that's a good thing to put on your calendar ASAP so you don't plan something else. That'll be really fun. We have not done one of these in a while because of COVID. And it's really cool to get a chance to interface with the other churches. You know, Wiley Church planted us. So it's cool to get to, some of us have probably not really experienced a lot of time with the other churches. But just getting to be a larger family of churches, all trying to minister around the DFW area is huge. And just being able to know each other and be able to hear about what God's doing in each other's churches and stuff is huge. So do not miss that. It'll also just be a lot of fun. It's going to be at a cool pool place and stuff. And this is the last time we're going to announce about the special contribution. So during the summer, we obviously have fewer people. Some of our students go home. But a lot of our costs are the same. So we'd like to ask you guys to give above what you normally give to help us cover those costs during the summer. You can do, even though we won't be announcing this every week, you can give a special contribution anytime at dentonnorthchurch.com slash donate. So, and without, I think that's it. We'll hand things over to the worship team. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Justin. I didn't even have to pay Justin this morning to say that. Yeah, so um, last time, well, maybe not last time, but recently when I was up here, I had earrings on. And I got my mask snagged in my earrings. So this morning, I didn't wear earrings, and now my mask is snagged on the microphone. What in the world? <laughs> yeah, so good morning. Um, this train wreck is one of the co-pastors here. <laughs> I'm Leslie Rowe, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, I just wanted to say something about uh, the marriage seminar that Josh told you that you can download. Um, so that particular seminar was on intimacy, both just intimacy in marriage as well as physical intimacy, intimacy specifically. And I know for a lot of you, you can be like, oh, no, thank you. Not a church thing about physical intimacy. But it was very good. She was very funny. She was very straightforward. She answered questions, and it was very helpful. So I would encourage you, um, if you weren't able to attend, to listen to that. And then the All Church um, Park hangout last night. We had a great time. It was super hot, and we sweltered definitely in the heat, but James and Hazel brought water balloons, so that was helpful. And, but I would just encourage you, whenever we do All Church events, if there's any way that you can be there, like unless there's something super important to keep you from being there, it's really important for our body to be together, especially coming off the year we've had where we haven't been able to be together. And um, so I think we have to kind of retrain ourselves to make those things priorities because we're not used to it. And so I would just encourage you to make those priorities. Obviously, not everybody can be at everything, but 
when you can, we want you there. So we started last week a series on the book of James, and we're going to continue with that this week. And Josh told you last week that one of the things we're doing is we are not dividing it up into like, we're going to do chapter one this week and chapter two next week. We're just praying during the week and asking the Holy Spirit um, what, where it is he wants us to land in James for that week. And so I cheated a little bit in that um, I am going off of something that the Holy Spirit told me several weeks ago, but it's the reason I was really excited about doing James. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning. If you've ever read the book of James before, you know it's a book that you both love and hate at the same time. There are many times I want to throw it in the trash when I'm reading it. You love it because it really hits home. It's really relevant. It's really accurate. But you hate it because it hurts. It stings. It's hard to listen to. And I think part of the reason is because James wrote this to step on our toes Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Ouch. That is not pleasant to listen to. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. James wrote this book to get in our business and to challenge how we live, two things none of us like. And so as you read through this book, there is a question I want you to ask yourself, actually a couple. One is, am I willing to let the word get in my business and challenge how I live? And the second one I think is even harder. Am I willing to let my brothers and sisters in Christ get in? in my life and challenge how I live? And then if the answer to that is yes, what benefits have I seen from that? What have I, how have I grown? What have I gotten out of that? And if the answer to those is no, why not? And I think those are important things to take to God and to think through with him and let him um, say some things to you about that. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 this morning. Consider it pure, there we go, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do." So my first point this morning is that God uses trials. I think maybe a word that's a little easier for us to grab onto is hardships. Um, God uses hardships to make us mature and complete. 
And so we're going to key in on two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So this word perseverance is talking about standing fast in the face of hardship. A whole life experience in this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, and we're able to stand firm due to um, God's goodness and to his care. Okay, so it's talking about throughout our whole life, we're going to have many trials, many hardships, and perseverance helps us stand firm in that. There used to be a show on called Fear Factor, and it started way back in the early 2000s, and it would um, challenge people to do things that were some of their deepest fears, and so it might be um, some type of a challenge that's around drowning or around being buried alive, or jumping from tall heights, or laying in a box and have snakes or spiders crawl over you. And then some of it was just pretty gross things about things to eat. And one of the things I think that you learn from that show is that people have many different kinds of fears. Like some things, they would, it would be a challenge, and I would go, Psh. I could do that. Like, that's not a big deal. And there were other things that they were doing, and I was like, that would never happen. Like, I just could never do that. And James says here, there are trials of many kinds. And so sometimes I think we look at trials that we're going through and trials that other people are going through, and we say, that's not a big deal. But when it's us, it's a big deal. So lots of different kinds of trials. And I think that we have to remember that sometimes trials make us really sad and really upset, but sometimes trials make us really angry. And so going through a trial can look all different kinds of ways, sad, frustrated, confused, mad. But what they all have in common is a lot of times they just make us want to give up. But they also teach us to keep fighting, to keep going when things are hard. They build faith and they build strength and they teach us not to give up. My guess is if I came around and spoke to each one of you this morning and I said, if there was a way for you to be mature and complete in Christ and not lack anything, would you want to do it? I'm going to assume that almost all of you would probably say, absolutely, I would. That's absolutely what I want in my life with Christ. But if I said, oh, I'm so glad to hear that, what is the thing you most dread? All you have to do to be mature and complete in him and not lack anything is just to go through this thing that you most dread for the next year or two or ten. Most of us would hastily take back what we said at the beginning and be like, no way, I'm not doing that. But trials are the way we become mature and complete. They're the way we grow. And, and we all know that. If we haven't experienced that, we've witnessed it in someone else's life. We've seen how they've grown from a trial. But it's hard work. And Proverbs 2, 1 through 6, tells us that that hard work is worth it. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, 
Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Actually, I think that last verse was a leftover from another verse later on that I got in the wrong place. Just that last one there. But yeah, so it's hard work to become mature and complete. And he, he says it's like looking for silver or searching for hidden treasure. If it's something valuable, it's worth that hard work. In other places in Scripture, like in Malachi 3, in Psalms 12, in Psalm 66, this process is compared to a refining fire. And to refine a metal like gold or silver, you heat it to a really high temperature. And once it's melted, all the impurities rise to the top, and then they can just skim those off before it um, hardens again. And it purifies the gold. Like instead of the gold having impurities in it, it's now pure gold because it's had those removed. A refining fire is different from other types of fire in that it doesn't consume completely like an incinerator would. It doesn't destroy indiscriminately like a forest fire would. A refining fire burns up impurities and leaves the silver and gold intact and makes it better and makes it more valuable. That's how God uses trials in our lives. He doesn't let them destroy us. He uses them to make us more mature and complete, to make us more valuable, to make us better. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2 says it this way. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And what he's saying here is, when you walk through the fire, it's not going to destroy you. You're going to come out better on the other side. The comparison helps us make sense of what God's redemptive work looks like and accomplishes in each of us. Hardship is often the process by which God purifies the gold of our faith. He purifies, matures, and strengthens our faith. And when we feel the heat of setbacks or illness or other challenges in our life, we often want to jump out of that fire. We often want to say, stop the process. I'm done with this. We want to remove ourselves from the situation, if that's a possibility. It's not always a possibility. Or just give up on God and would withdraw from him and withdraw from community. So one morning recently, I was praying to God about a specific situation in my life. And I was saying, God, I don't think that I am effective here. I don't think that you want me here. I think it would be better for everybody if I just took myself out of this situation. 
And so I was just asking him about it. Do you have thoughts on that? What do you want to say to me about that? And basically, I heard nothing back. And so my next thing I was going to do that morning was to read through my daily Bible reading. And it just happened to be James chapter 1. And when I read verse 2, verse 3, I felt a check in my spirit of God saying this, this. Let perseverance make you mature and complete, lacking nothing. He was saying to me, I want you to stay in this. I am using it. I don't want you to get out. And the funny thing is that he had confirmed that with several other people, had told me the same thing. No, you need to stay in this. You don't need to remove yourself from this. And God just backed that up. And so my question this morning is, what situation are you trying to jump out of right now? What situation are you trying to avoid letting God make you mature and complete? Maybe that's something at work. Maybe that's something that is more personal, um, a, a relationship. Maybe it's somebody you know that's really ill, and is, you've asked and asked and asked for them to get better, and they're not. But whatever the situation is, God can use that situation to make you mature and complete. He will not waste that. Fear factor points out that people have many different kinds of fears. Oh, no, sorry. Wrong page. Um, hang on, i got to look through my notes real quick because I went off script, and now i got to find my place. Okay, so I'm going to go back to saying that sometimes we can't jump out of our fires. We don't have a choice. For instance, the Christians that James was writing to were being persecuted and were going through famine. They couldn't do anything about that. They couldn't remove themselves from that. But we can remove ourselves from God's presence and from letting him teach us and mature us and transform us and comfort us. Trials are inevitable James said that when we face trials, not if we face trials, and we can either walk through them with God or we can walk through them without him. But either way, we're going to have to walk through them. And he has a purpose in what he allows in our lives, and he's always working for our good. He's going to use it to make our faith mature and complete, not lacking anything. And while the next trial may not be easier, your faith will be stronger when you walk through it. So second, first one is let God make you mature and complete. Persevere so he can make you mature and complete. The second one is when going through hardship, pray for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So just a side note here. Um, when we were doing the verses about peace, our group was talking, and a couple of times people said, well, I have a verse about peace, but it doesn't have the word peace in it. And it's interesting how sometimes we read the Bible, and there are things in there speaking to us, but it doesn't use that exact word. And I was reading a commentary about James 1, and it was talking about how James told us to pray for wisdom. And I was like, no, he didn't. He didn't tell us to pray for wisdom. He told us to ask God. He didn't say pray. 
And then I immediately started laughing and I was like, well, what is praying if it's not asking God? But I almost missed that uh, little tidbit right there. Um, So when James said to ask God for wisdom, he's talking about praying. Pray when you need wisdom. God knows that we need help navigating hardship. He knows we have no idea what to do, no idea how to feel, no idea how to act or what to say. He knows many times that we can't do anything to change our circumstances, and that's why he told us to ask him for wisdom. He told us that because it's not natural for us. Our inclination is to read books, to do Google searches, to ask for advice, to listen to a podcast, and none of those are bad things. All of those can be helpful. But our inclination is to do those things so that we can fix the issue, so that we can fix the problem. And when we're going through hardship, we come to a point where we realize that God is the only one that can fix the problem. He's the only one that we need. And so we're no longer living our life in consumption of God and what he can give us, but we're living our life desiring that God will come into our life in power and do what only he can do. We fight for our faith. We pray persistently. We don't give up. And God uses the passage of time as we persevere to shape us. I think that this is one of the most important things as disciples that we can learn. I can't stress it enough that the passage of time is often how God shapes us and we jump out way before he's done with his work with us. When I was in ninth grade, I took geometry. Math is my favorite subject. I love all kinds of math, but I did not get geometry. I did not do well. I couldn't see three-dimensional figures, and it made no sense to me whatsoever. And so I thought, I can't do this. I'm not good at math. I can't do this. But time passed. I did not study more geometry, but I did study other kinds of math, general kinds of math. And the more time passed and the more I learned about math, many years later when I came back to geometry, I was like, what was so hard about this? Like, this was easy. I understood it, and our faith is like that. Reading the Word, praying, being obedient, listening for the Holy Spirit, fasting, praying, serving, are just a few of the things that don't make sense when we first start doing them. We don't understand the value of them. We're not good at them, or at least I'm not. But with time, we get better if we just persevere, if we keep doing them, if we keep trying them. Persistence is a vital element of discipleship, and honestly, it's one that we desperately need to cultivate. We're so quick to doubt God's goodness. We want things when we want them. We want God to be a genie in a bottle and to answer all of our wishes. We need to pray for wisdom in our hardships so that we, like Paul in 2 Timothy, can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
I have kept the faith. So secondly, pray for wisdom. And then last, believe that God is good. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. One thing I want to point out here is this word, not doubt. And this is not talking about doubting that God is going to answer your prayer the way you want. I think all of us have doubts about that at times. This is talking about doubting that God loves you, doubting that God cares about you, doubting that he has your best interest in mind. That's the kind of doubting this is talking about. When we talked about fear factor earlier, um, there are, I talked about how there's all different kinds of fears. One of my biggest fears is heights. It's not something I think about and go, oh, heights, they're so scary. It's something where I'm up high and immediately I want to get on my knees and crawl. I want to hug whatever it is that, that I'm standing or sitting or kneeling or crawling on because I feel like I'm going to be pulled over the side. I feel like I'm going to fall. However, I grew up with a mom that did not take I'm afraid as a reason for not doing something. Uh, My mom always challenged me. She was like, it's okay for you not to do something. But to not do it because you're afraid, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. And she was right. And because she would challenge me in that, and I got used to doing things even though I was afraid of them, I've gotten to do really cool things that I wouldn't have done had I just given in to that fear. So whenever we went to teen camp, we had a zip line, but you had to climb a tree to a platform that was very high, and you had to jump off that platform to go down the zip line. And so I watched for a while, and I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that, but I decided I could do that. So I got to climb a tree, I got to jump off, I got to zip line. I've gotten to fly lots of places. I would not have done that if I had given in to my fear of heights. I don't like being on an airplane. But I would have never gone to Sikkim if I hadn't gotten on an airplane. So there are lots of really neat things I've gotten to do if I just push through my fear. I will challenge myself, but I have to believe it's safe if I'm going to do it. Now, my mind immediately tells me it's not safe. But if I push through and I really think through the logistics of it and am like, this is safe, like the chances of something happening are very slim, then I can make myself do it. So Josh, where is it they need to go on their phones? Okay, dentonnorthchurch.com slash James. There should be three pictures there for you to pull up and look at. And I'll give you a second to get there. There's two, well that's okay then, two are great. So these are pictures of the Trift Bridge. It's located in Switzerland in the Swiss Alps And it's a thin suspension bridge that looks like it could blow over with one big gust of wind. But it's, in fact, very safe. 
It was originally built in 2004 for some workers that needed to get to a hydraulic plant to access power. And it was beneath a glacier, and so they built this bridge for them to get there. A few short years after the original bridge was built, they built a second sturdier model because just everyday people wound up wanting to go across it largely because the views are so beautiful, but also because, like, who doesn't like a challenge? The bridge spans 560 feet, and it's 300 feet above a river that's below it. The picture that makes me the queasiest, and I don't know if it's one of the two that you got on there, is the one that somebody is standing on the bridge, and they take a picture down, And you can see between the slats of wood on the bridge what's down below. I almost could not even send that picture to Josh because it just made me go, oh, I can't, I can't. I think if I were going to cross that bridge that I would have to crawl and I would have to grab a hold of the sides And it would take me a very long time to get across. But I think I could do it. And I think I could do it because I believe it's safe. I've read a lot, and there are other pictures that show how it is um, stabilized and what they use to do that and how that even they don't let it blow very much, which is terrifying to me. Um, And so I believe it's safe. But how do you know I believe it's safe? You don't know unless I get out on it. If I get out on it, then you can be pretty sure that I believe that it's safe. This is what James is referring to when he says you must believe and not doubt. He's talking about more than just mental assent to something. He's talking about letting your actions show that you believe, about living your life the way that Jesus lived his, about committing your life to him. James knew that our human response to hardship is to doubt God's goodness or to increase our trust in him, one or the other. He knew that disbelief in his goodness and power is what results in our being tossed around by the circumstances of life. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the being unstable. Disbelief makes us unstable in our faith, and it makes us victims of the situations that we're facing. In John 6, 28 and 29... Then they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Believing is hard work. If I ever walk across the Trift Bridge, I will have to battle with my mind to make my legs walk across it. It will take an enormous amount of effort. When I'm going through hardship, whether it's lack of resources, the loss of someone close to me, being called by God to do something way outside my comfort zone or skill set, whatever it is, it's work to believe 
that he is good. It's work to not give up. It's work to believe that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he will do. So if we want to do the hard work of believing in the one God sent, we need to decide some things right now. And here are five of them. This is not exhaustive. This is just five that I thought of. Um, So the first one, decide right now that no matter what happens in your life, even if it's the thing you fear the most, that you will believe in God's goodness, that you will stand firm in your faith and you will not turn back. Decide right now that you will believe in God's goodness. Number two, decide right now that no matter what happens, you will believe that God has never failed and he won't start with you. You are not the exception to the rule. Decide right now that he will not fail you. Number three, decide right now that no matter what happens, even if God does not rescue you from your circumstances, that you will believe that he's worthy of your praise and that you will give it to him even when you're still in the middle of a hardship. Decide right now that he's worthy of your praise. Number four, decide right now that no matter what happens, you will believe that God is making you mature and complete and that he will complete the good work he has started in you. He's making you mature and complete and he will complete the good work he started in you. And then the last one I had was decide right now that no matter what happens, you will believe that God will give you the wisdom if you ask to persevere, to persist, to fight for your faith, and to never give up on God because he has never given up on you. Decide that you will never give up on God because he has never given up on you. And I think that those are all things that I listen to and I go, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's good. But then when it comes down to actually doing it, I don't feel like there is right and good then. And I think part of that is just fear. Fear knocks out our faith. And so I think two things we can do is to surround ourselves with the truth because we need to be reminded of what the truth is when we're in those situations. One of my all-time favorite um, scriptures in surrounding myself with truth and reminding myself of how good God is, is Daniel 3, 16 through 18. And this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken captive um, by another country, and they were forced to bow to the king rather than to their God. And their God, our God, had said, you shall have no other gods before me. So they could not bow to this king. Now, they could have made excuses. Well, God will know that I don't really mean that he's, he's God. He'll know I'm, it's not in my heart. But they didn't. And this is what they said. The king says to them, do you realize who I am? Like, do you realize that I'm holding your life in my hands and I can say live or die? Bow before me. 
And this is what they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That is something that I need to remind myself of over and over again. That I am committed to my God no matter what. And that if he delivers me from this circumstance, praise God. And if he doesn't deliver me from this circumstance, praise God. And then I think um, outside of the word, reminding ourselves of truths in ways that stick and come to us easily um, and that encourage us personally. So like for me, that song, for some of you, it might be art. It might be um, a poem. It might be writings. It's, it's different things. And so whatever that thing is that really speaks to you. One of the songs that I was introduced to during COVID and I could have had no idea how much would mean to me is the song Promises by Maverick City Music. I shared it with you guys on, um, uh, what do you call that? Zoom. <laughs> I shared it with you on Zoom one Sunday morning and had major technical difficulties with it, so it didn't come across very well. Um, but I cried the whole time it was playing because it's so meaningful to me. And just a couple of lines out of that, that really speak to me about trials are though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. And then there's a little, I don't know, I'm not a music person. I'm guessing it's like a bridge or something. Um, but it says, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. That in and of itself comes back to me over and over and over again. And when I read these words, I hear it. Like I hear them singing it. I hear Joan, Joe Barnes and I hear Naomi Rains. And Joe Barnes and Naomi Rains, I am not. But if I were, I would sing this to you this morning um, because it's so powerful and it's so life giving and it brings hope. Let hardships make you mature and complete. Pray for wisdom and believe God is good. And do that by deciding some things right now today. And then surround yourself with truth. Whether that's from the word, whether that's from a song, a poem, a painting, something that speaks that truth back to you. So one of the questions I want you to think about this week is in what way does this passage challenge the way you live? In what way does this passage challenge the way you live? Not what way does this sermon challenge it. What way does this passage challenge it? And then what are you going to do about that? Ask God those things and talk about those with him this week. 
James gets in our business and he challenges how we live. And he wants us to live lives that are wholly devoted to Jesus. Why? Out of our love for Jesus is why he wants us to do that. Because of his goodness. Because our love for Jesus should fill us up and should overflow for other people to see. But because of his great love for us, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And because of our great love for him, we live lives that are wholly devoted to him. We persevere in trials so that we can become mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let's remember his great love for us as we take communion together this morning. And just dwell on how good he is for a moment before you take that. If you haven't already got one, um, the communion cups are on the back table. There's been a lot of people come in, and so I'm not sure we're going to have enough, but we'll use them until they're gone. So if you'll go ahead and grab a cup, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we can take that together. So if you've not used these cups before, there's a peel-off for uh, the grape juice, and there's a peel-off to find a little cracker that's the bread. So you've got to peel two different things off. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I want you to take a minute to think about how good God is, and then you'll be dismissed for this morning. God's circumstances can make it really difficult to see you sometimes. Circumstances can be really hard and really painful, and they can make us want to give up and quit. They can make us accuse you of not being good. And God, I just pray that you would give us your wisdom, that you would give us your strength to see our trials the way you see them and to see that you can walk us through that. And God, I pray that we'll trust you. I pray that when we're afraid, that we'll turn to you and that we'll remember the truth that you've always worked for our good. I pray, God, that um, we'll do what it takes to continue to fight for our faith. And I pray that as we go through James, that we'll let it um, challenge us, that we'll let it step on our toes, um, and that we'll let each other do the same. I pray that you'll grow us through this, and I pray that we'll look more like you when we finish our study than we did when we started. And God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to persevere through trial for our sake. And I pray that our love for him, our gratefulness to him, will overflow out of our hearts and into our lives and to the lives of others. As we take communion this morning, God, we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate his gift to us. I pray that you'll bring to mind the reasons that he is good, the reasons that you are good, and that we will glorify you in the taking of this communion supper. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. 
and you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.